0: Everybody. Welcome to 321, no kidding. I have a very talented guest that I'm excited to have on so she can make us a little smarter tonight. And her name is Miss Dina. Dina, welcome.
1: Thank you, Bobby. I'm so glad to be here.
0: Same here. Would you like to start off by telling everybody a little about yourself?
1: I would love to. So, I'm Dina Brown, I'm a certified financial planner professional and a certified divorce financial analyst, and a wealth advisor. I'm a managing director for Lakeview Capital Partners, and I live in Jacksonville, Florida.
0: Nice, thank you. So all those those credentials mean that we're gonna have a little (laughs) warning for everybody at the end. So Dina's here to educate us some, but we can't hold her feet to the fire on anything. She's kind of given us global wisdom. So what do you right. like to do for fun? Do you, do you have a personal life and a family before we get
1: into I do. I do. Uh, I, well, I have a wonderful husband, William. And we have two little boys, uh, Cole and Gianni, ages 10 and 8. And they pretty much drive us crazy. So they're all boy and they are always getting into mischief and um, it's, it's challenging right now trying to work full time at home and have them at home at the same time. <laughs> so my husband and I are just trying to work and, you know, these boys are running around and, you know, it is what it is and you just make the best of it. So we like to spend a lot of time outside. Um, like I said, we live in Florida, so we have a, a really nice pool and a really nice backyard and we like to hang out back there.
0: That's great. That's the one thing I'm jealous of. I'm okay with being a <laughs> lockdown, but the weather's been horrible here. Like we're getting snow in April tomorrow. Wow. That's, yeah. So that's making the quarantine a little miserable, but that's okay. So why I invited you here tonight is, you know, my audience is gambling recovery, maybe even gambling using, but money is a big component of our disease. And I know what my experience was both times I got clean. And I don't know if my tricks were the best or not, but I know what I use to kind of clean up my credit and, and pay the Mm -hmm. bills and stuff. So money is a big piece of what's on my audience's mind. So I wanted to know what your thoughts were. I guess we should start at the beginning. If someone had just quit gambling, maybe what, what do you think maybe their first steps would be or, or some ideas on how to start building?
1: So that's a great question. Um, and I do know some things about rebuilding again. I had an experience, uh, when I was a kid and my dad owned a business and, um, he got hurt and lost the business and my mom was disabled at the same time. And so we had to start over again and um, so we moved to Florida for a new start, and we had to live off of food stamps and live out of a motel room, and I'm the oldest of three kids, so there's five of us crammed in there. But you know what? That's what government assistance is for. It's so you can start over again. And there's nothing to be ashamed of uh, by using that. And especially today and the pandemic that we're in, there's a lot of programs out there that can help people get back on their feet again. Uh, there's unemployment. Uh, the federal government's adding an extra $600 a month, supplementing the state's unemployment. You have um, programs uh, for business owners. There's uh, programs uh, with this, uh, the banks. You know, you can contact your mortgage company and see if they'll defer your mortgage payment for three months. Uh, or your car payment for three months. Now, the key with that is you want to make sure that they don't affect your credit score because you've got to protect your credit score as much as you can because you really need to have a good credit score to give you more opportunities, especially if there's something you need to buy or even to apply for a job.
0: Oh, that's a good point. Mm -hmm. So when you just said that, those... It almost sounds like it would be a good idea to quit gambling now with the pandemic going on while there's some resources to help people. When you, when you talk about the extra $600 that probably won't be here forever, forever, I'm guessing. So that was good thinking. That was the light bulb that went off of my head was mm-hmm. oh, okay. Now would be a good time to, to quit. I know that I struggled with the idea of, do I go to a credit card consolidation place? I had done that in my past or to go bankrupt when I quit gambling or Mm -hmm. do neither and fight the fight and just chip away at it. Can you Mm -hmm. tell us some of the positives and negatives maybe to both of those approaches?
1: Yeah, sure. So the first approach that you mentioned was just chipping away. If you can, uh Make sure that you have your housing, your security, and food. Those are the three main things. And you still have a little bit of money left over, then chip away. I would start with the largest credit card first. That When I say largest, I mean the biggest credit, um, excuse me, interest rate first. I'd make minimum payments on all of them except for the biggest interest rate and make a little extra on that one. And so then when you get that one paid off, then you start with the next, which one has the next biggest interest rate and pay that. Now, if you have equity in your home and you've kept your credit pretty good, you can try to get a home equity line of credit from the bank and consolidate your cards that way. Typically, home equity loan line of credit's interest rate is much lower sometimes even half or more lower than credit card interest rates. So I would say if you can afford it, definitely do it that way because that's going to be the best thing you can do to keep your credit healthy. The other two options that you mentioned, the credit consolidation, sometimes it sounds too good to be true. Here's a company that wants to help you. They want to consolidate all of your credit cards. They want to contact your creditors and negotiate a smaller balance or a lower interest rate. But you have to think about what's the catch? What is it going to do to me if I do this? So a lot of times it will negatively affect your credit. So you have to think about that. If you need to keep your credit good, then that may not be an option. But if you can't make the credit card payments, you may not have an option, but have to do that anyway. And then there's bankruptcy, which if you do bankruptcy, you definitely have to talk to a lawyer that specializes in bankruptcy. And it can be quite complicated, and there's a lot of rules involved. And yes, it does negatively affect your credit score. In fact, it'll stay on your credit report for 10 years. So again, it depends on your situation. You may not have a choice. You may have to file bankruptcy. And you, know, you definitely want to uh, talk to the lawyer to see how it, how it would specifically affect you and which state you live in. And I know some very successful people in particular, I have a friend in Tennessee and she, she's a business owner and she is dynamite and her business is very successful, but there was a point in time where she and her husband had to file for bankruptcy and it's not something that she's proud of, but it also wasn't the end of the world. And so, um, I, I I don't know if you know this, but Abraham Lincoln actually filed bankruptcy two times. And he became one of the most famous presidents of the United States
0: <laughs> well that's interesting <laughs> yeah, Wow, thank you for all of that I, I have a couple follow-up questions if you don't mind. When you were talking about the chipping away process right now I imagine there's mathematical formulas, but it jumped out to me that you said to tackle the highest interest rate first, and I just I want to call that out. If you feel that that's a a better approach, than I've heard you know hit the lowest balance first, and then work on your balances. So it's that interest rate that really makes a difference on getting the debt reduced quicker. Is am I understanding that
1: mathematically? Yes, it's better to tackle the higher interest rates first, but. If you have some little things that will emotionally help you, like if you, it's just like when you're losing weight, right? It's like at the beginning you lose all this weight and you feel really good and you want to keep doing it. And then when you hit that plateau, you're just like, why am I still doing this? But you're still getting healthy. You're just not shedding the pounds like you were. So it's the same kind of thing with the credit cards. If you can kind of take care of like one or two and get them paid off because they're really small, and that makes you feel really good, then you're more adept to go ahead and tackle the higher one and be a little bit more focused in, on, on that. Um, but it might take you a little bit longer because mathematically, yes, it's better to, to tackle the one with the higher interest rate. But again, it's how do you feel and what do you think? If you can deal with having the two little credit cards hanging around for a little while till it's their turn, okay, then do it the first way and tackle the higher interest rate if you need that instant gratification then tackle the one or two smaller ones okay that's how i would that's how i would do it
0: it sounds like a momentum thing like you're doing the little ones mm-hmm. just to keep your momentum and feel good but that that's great yeah. perspective mhm the other question that came out of what you said was now the middle one about consolidation so it's not about The way I I remember doing it, because I had to do this in my life once too, was I had to close the accounts that the consolidation place might have made deals so that I could Mm -hmm. pay an amount that I can afford, Mm -hmm. but the accounts closed. So Mm -hmm. that impacted my, I didn't know that back then, but it impacted Mm -hmm. my credit because those accounts were closed and the balances made my ratio askew, right? Like, so let's say, before i close the accounts i had 10,000 dollars worth of credit and i i owed i maxed them out and we consolidate all but one i'm just making mm-hmm. things up and i'm trying to keep it simple so i keep that one open and let's say it has a limit of 1000 but that's going to be my emergency credit card well when i close those other 9000 dollars downright, my ratios all skewed because I really only have a $1,000 of available credit, but I have this other $9,000 ruining my ratio. Am I explaining that right? Am I thinking about that the right way?
1: Yes. So uh, credit scores are based on certain things and those things sometimes don't make a lot of sense. (laughs) And it's quite confusing. So When you close accounts, that actually makes your score go down. You would think that would make your score go up because you wouldn't be borrowing as much, but it makes your score go down. So you want to have a higher score, not a lower score. So when you have credit cards, it's actually best for your score. It may not be best for you and your finances, but it's better for your credit score to have balances on all of the credit cards about halfway up to the credit limit. So, for example, if you have a $6,000 credit limit, it's good for your credit score to hold a $3,000 balance on that credit card because it's Half of the $6,000 credit limit. So, yes, when you pay them all down, you think that would be good for your credit score. But then when you close the accounts, that negatively impacts your credit score. And when you have a credit card or some type of revolving credit account that has a limit of, again, we'll use $6,000 and you have $5,995 on it, that makes your credit score go down too because they see it as you maxing it out and that you're getting into that danger zone of going over the limit.
0: So did I hear you right though that it's good to have some sort of a balance on there as long as you're not past that 50% threshold?
1: Or for your credit score, yes, yes but it may not be good for you. Like me personally, I don't like debt. So I always pay off my credit cards every month. So I'll use them. I pay them off. Now, if I kept a a balance on there of half of whatever the credit limit is, my credit score would be higher. But then I wouldn't be able to sleep at night knowing that I have all these balances on the credit cards. So I rather have a little bit, a lower score and be able to sleep at night versus having a higher score and keeping these balances.
0: It's so funny. You keep going back to emotions and emotional decisions regarding money. And it's just, oh, so-
1: it's totally emotional. I'm like half the time I'm, I'm like a psychologist or something with money. And, um, and, and sometimes some of my client meetings are, you know, if I have an hour client meeting, it's, 50 minutes just talking about them and their lives and how they're feeling and their emotions and their families. And then the last 10 minutes is spent on the actual financial part.
0: (laughs) Wow. Well, my relationship with money is when I'm gambling, I could put a hundred dollar bill in a slot machine and not think anything about it. It doesn't turn into how many hours did I have to work for this or what could I have bought with this? Or what could I have paid down with this? It's just it's just a a vehicle to get my dopamine rush, right? Mm-hmm. But I could leave the the casino after doing that and go to Dunkin' Donuts, and if the coffee was two seventy five yesterday and now it's two eighty five, be really mm-hmm. upset about that dime. Like, oh yeah, that's how wacky my brain was when I was gambling. Uh huh. So, It kind of makes sense. The emotion's still there. It's just that when we're in the nonsense of of gambling, it's Mm -hmm. it's not about even emotions because you're not thinking. So Mm -hmm. that's why I'm appreciating that emotional stuff. Um, I, I was mad today. I got a note from Target and I always seem to get it from them because I don't use their card enough. And they like, oh, we're going to close your account if you don't spend money with us. And maybe it's a pull <laughs> to get me to spend money because I had to buy something today to keep you so open. So they're
1: blackmailing you. <laughs> they're going to close your account and lower your credit score unless you spend money. Yeah. It I didn't. Think it doesn't it, make any sense. I didn't think of it as blackmail, but it makes me
0: nervous. So there's <laughs> other accounts that have closed on me because I haven't used them. And I'm like, I don't want to have to pay attention to rotating them. Anyway,
1: that's why you should try your hardest not to open too many credit accounts because then you don't want to have to close them. So just open one or two credit cards and and be done with it. You don't need a Target card. You don't need a Macy's card. You don't need the BP gas station card. (laughs) Just have one or two major credit cards that you can use anywhere and just stick with those.
0: Okay, so now you got me going on a different road and hopefully I can (laughs) ask your opinion on this. So the reason I keep getting more and more, some of it is playing the points game, right? I feel like I'm winning if I get 3% instead of 2% rewards. But I've also, part of my financial strategy, and I don't know if I should admit this to you or not, I don't know you well enough, but is playing the 0% game. That's part of how I've been able to chip away at my debt Mm-hmm. is transferring balances. So y- you almost always have to buy, get a new card in order to do that. So that's mm-hmm. where they keep growing. And now because I have them, I don't want to close them. So that's kind right. of my circle. So how do you feel about doing the 0%? Do you think that there's like a time and place or, it sounds like you're pretty regimented, so you don't have to do that. But in general, how do you feel about that?
1: Well, I think that if the 0% is going to help you achieve your long-term goal, which is to pay down debt, then I'm all for that. Um, If you're just doing it because it's kind of fun and you like kind of playing the game, then (laughs) it doesn't really make sense. Right. So, so but if you're doing it because you're going to pay down your debt a lot quicker, then, then yeah, take advantage of it. And if you get approved for the 0%, it probably means you have good credit anyway, because otherwise they wouldn't have approved you for another credit card. But, you know, just try not to, uh, you know, everything in moderation, just try to not, not to get carried away with it. Well,
0: that's a good point. It's a good point. Yeah. The mm-hmm. first time I had quit gambling, I, I was in the hole for about $15,000 and it was all on one credit card. And Mm -hmm. I can remember the day I called them and I was like, Hey, I, I can't make this payment. I had used like cash advances over the weekend, whatever. It was like a mess. Mm -hmm. And, um, they actually were kind enough, I guess, or business savvy enough. I don't know which, but they made an agreement with me and they shut the account. And again, I didn't know about that whole, you shut the account and it messes with your credit and mm-hmm. made a fixed interest rate with some conditions. So mm-hmm. I was very grateful and I was able to pay it back. I am I have an association with pride in my recovery being based on me paying back my stuff myself. It's, mm-hmm. But I don't have kids at risk or a spouse or any of that stuff. And I, I'm just kind of elaborating for the audience because it is different for different people. Um, so... If we could for a minute, you you mentioned COVID a little while back and in kind of our preparation, you called out a couple things that are going on to help with the economy with COVID. Do you want to speak to that for a minute before maybe we go into seniors?
1: Yes, I would love to. So if you find yourself in a, a situation where you your expenses are getting a little bit uncomfortable. There's some new things that just came out. It's called the CARES Act, C-A-R-E-S. And what you can do if you have, let's say you have an IRA account. And typically you can't, I mean, you can. If you take money out of your IRA before you're 59 and a half years old, then you'll pay tax plus a penalty, right? So usually you don't want to do that. But if you're having a little bit of financial stress right now with this new CARES Act, you can actually take out up to $100,000, if you have it, in your IRA without penalty, even if you're under 59 and a half. And then the taxes that are associated with it, because you still have to pay income taxes on it. You have three years to pay the income taxes on it. So it's really a nice way to kind of almost like borrow money from yourself to give you some relief if you need it now because of what's going on with the COVID-19.
0: I thought... IRAs were the ones that you already paid or you, no, now I'm messing it up. Yeah, no, the IRAs are the ones you already pay tax on before they get now, to the side, right?
1: You're thinking of a Roth IRA.
0: I am thinking of a Roth So
1: this is not for a Roth IRA. This is a regular IRA. And it's also for 401ks too. So if you have a 401k, you can borrow $100,000 out of your 401k. So you actually be borrowing it and then you would pay it back. So if you're still working, you have a 401k at your job, you can borrow up to $100,000. And then once you're able to start paying it back, then you start paying it back again to yourself because you're, you're loaning it to yourself. So it's, it's a really kind of a, a, a way that you can access some money now and not wait until you're fifty-nine and a half years old because you know, these are different times and you may need the money now versus later on. So the government's given us a little bit of a break with that.
0: It almost sounds like in some situations COVID's gonna benefit some of these rules are gonna benefit people that that may or may not have needed it or have thought about these things, but it may actually be beneficial in some cases, it sounds like, like not even getting people to their normal where they were before the pandemic, but almost help them a little bit above and beyond.
1: Yeah. And anyone can take advantage of these new um, programs and you don't have to be in, you don't have to prove your situation. So if you have a 401k and you're working and your job is secure, but you're like, hey, I, you know, things are tough right now or, um, you know, it's, uh, I don't know, the, the, the air conditioner broke and we need $5,000 and you don't have it, then you can borrow it from your 401k. So, um, and there's some other programs too that are out there as well. Um like for those people that have federal student loans the payments on those are deferred until October 1st. And so I know a lot of people have some of their student loans are like the biggest payments they have. It's almost like a mortgage payment. Um so they get a little bit of relief there where they don't have to pay anything until October the 1st.
0: Is interest still accruing?
1: Well, That's a good question. I'm not sure if it is or not, and I don't know either whether it's an automatic thing because I have had calls about that, and so I always say it's best to contact your student loan provider and ask specifically whether or not they're going to defer the interest and uh, whether or not it's automatic or if you have to elect it.
0: Hmm. Well you're teaching me things, I appreciate that.
1: That's what I'm here for. Oh,
0: that's awesome. <laughs> so I, I think that I think that some of the there's there's all these strategies that you're talking about. and then again, going back to kind of the bucket of the gambler specifically with trying to they stopped gambling yesterday. How do they live today? Mm-hmm. So do you have recommendations about i think I think you might tell us things like eliminate cable or some of those low hanging fruit maybe Would that be mm-hmm. a good way to put it and a good strategy for folks out there?
1: Yeah, absolutely so you know like i said you need security housing food you know sometimes the uh the cable or the uh you know the brand new clothes could could wait um if they're not uh imperative that you have them now you know when you're starting over you just have to make some sacrifices and so but you know what when you do, ha- when you are in, at that point in your life where you can splurge on those kind of things and you can afford it, it's so much more rewarding than than right than than it, when you really can. And then you have a. a I know I'm all this touchy feely, but <laughs> it's mm-hmm. um, you know if you buy something and you're starting over again and it's something you really didn't need, you might can't might feel a little bit guilty about it. Like, well, I should I probably shouldn't have bought this, you know, um, this, this fancy lipstick that I got for $30, um, at the department store, but, but I look good in it. But then you're like, Oh, I really, I could have gone to, you know, the drugstore and gotten the same color lipstick for way less. So, and then nobody would even know. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, you just, you know when you're starting over again you just you just have to know that you're rebuilding your future and the sacrifices you make now are going to posit- positively impact you for the future
0: i like you reminded me of a point when we were talking earlier about the the starting over and the emotions so in your example just then like i would advocate for someone who's working really hard at paying their bills to Mm -hmm. keep the self-care piece in there. Mm -hmm. So maybe buy the lipstick, but definitely buy it, the $5 lipstick and not the $30, but you need to be rewarded in a healthy kind of way. And that was a good example of a way to do it. So I like Mm -hmm. that. Thank you. Awesome. So if another, and unfortunately this is a, a growing population of gamblers, it feels like, the kids and the seniors are the ones that the numbers continue to grow depending on what you look at, of course. So I can't imagine being, you know, 65, 60, 70 years old. And I I think it happens when spouses pass away or um, people retire, that kind of stuff that, you know, the casino fills the boredom. So in that situation, they're probably already drawing their pension or maybe they're on social security. What is, what kind of suggestions would you have for that group that is on a fixed
1: income to help them get situated? So if you're on a fixed income, but uh, you find yourself looking to uh, entertain yourself, then, uh you may want to think about, you know, maybe just finding something that you like to do, Um, perhaps go back to work. Um, There's a lot of jobs out there that are looking for part-time and they're looking for nice, friendly people. And sometimes they come with benefits. Uh, If you're not 65 years old, you know, it's very difficult to afford health insurance. And for a family of four, it could cost you up to, you know, $1,200 a month. I mean, that's like a mortgage payment. So, um, for seniors, it's, you know, if you get social security, it's not much, it's not as much as you think it is. And it's based on your earnings during your lifetime. So if you are a high earner, you'll probably get, you know, around on the high side, $3,500 a month. But if you're like my mom, Who didn't work that much, you know, she raised the kids. Her social security when she retired, now you could take social security as early as 62. So when she retired, her social security was $400 a month. And she and my dad were divorced. There's no way she could, you know, support herself on $400 a month. So, um, One thing that a lot of you may not know about social security, and I'm definitely not a social security expert. I just know a little bit to be dangerous is that if you're married for 10 years or more and you get divorced, it doesn't matter how many times you've been married is if it's 10 years or more then when your divorced spouse dies, whichever social security is higher you get to take the higher amount. So in my mom's case, it was $400 a month. And then when my dad passed away, and again, they were divorced, uh, my dad's social security was double it. It was um, $800 a month. So her $400 went away and then she got $800 instead from social security. Um, But again, it's not a lot. And a lot of times you're gonna have to look for part-time income to supplement that. Um, because, you know, or unless, unless, you can get your kids to take care of you, but most people don't want to do that. They'd rather be independent. So, um, and, and, and with the health insurance, medic, Medicaid is the insur- the health insurance for seniors. And you can't apply for that until you're 65. So even though you can get Social Security at 62 at a discount, if you do it early, early is 62. So you get less than if you were to wait till full retirement age. And then Medicare, which is the health insurance for seniors, you can't get till 65. Wow. I know.
0: Well, that was a good trip. I bet you that... not. I'll see. Gotcha. Um, I'm sure that not everybody knows that that would be an avenue worth pursuing if they did have a spouse that was deceased before them. So I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. too. that's good to know.
1: Yeah, a lot of people don't know that the the key is ten years. So if you're married, let's say you're married three times, but each of your marriages are ten ten years, and then you're divorced and you're and you're single. Now you have to be you know, not married at the time that you apply to get one of your ex-spouse's social security benefit. Um, But yeah, you, when they pass away, you can get now, and if you are still married too, you get the higher one. I don't know if I mentioned that. I think I mentioned just the divorce because my, that was my mom's situation. She and my dad were divorced, but it also works if you're married too. So, you have to keep that in mind if you're living off of two social securities and one passes away, then you're left with just one social security, but it will be the higher one, but it may not be enough to sustain your living expenses.
0: So, if I start shopping now and I get a husband for 45 to 55, and then Mm -hmm. I get a different one from, say, 56 to 65, Mm -hmm. do I get both of their social securities? If I live... No, you just get the highest. Oh, geez. All right. It's not worth all the trouble then.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But you get to pick which one's the highest one. Uh, I guess I'd have to
0: stop pretty smartly. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, this is pretty heavy stuff. Um, It's it's good stuff, but it's heavy, so I just had to be my obnoxious self. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Lighten it up a little bit.
0: Yeah. Is there anything that I'm forgetting to cover that you think might be helpful. I'm, I know that we had some ideas and I just want to make sure that we cover everything while we're together.
1: Uh, well, can I leave you with this short story about a client of mine named Mary? And okay. So, um, I, uh, I mentioned earlier that I, I help, Uh, People get through divorce through it and after and uh, I was referred a client named Mary and she was going through divorce and unfortunately, I didn't help her with the settlement. It had already been done before I met her and um, she had a lovely home that she got in the settlement and but really not enough income and she didn't work. Um, She was a homemaker and not only that she was an alcoholic too. So she wanted to stay in her house, but she couldn't afford it. So she pleaded with me, I gotta stay in my house. And I'm like, well, it's just a house, just you know, just sell it and use the money, and then you can rent a really nice place and use that, you know, that money to supplement your income. And she's like, you don't understand. I have a horse. And I have to be with my horse. It's my purpose in life is this horse. And I'm a big horse lover myself. And I was like, Oh my gosh, you're breaking my heart. So, you know, you just, sometimes you just have to be a little creative. So I kind of racked my brain. What can I do? What can I do? And this is something, another little tip for your seniors, if they have a home that has equity in it, is that there are reverse mortgages out there and, I know sometimes they have a bad reputation, but they are great tools for some people for their particular situation, and it was perfect for Mary because she wanted to stay in her home. She wasn't going to be able to move to an apartment with her horse, so she got the reverse mortgage, and when you get a reverse mortgage, you don't. If you have a mortgage, you don't have to make the payments anymore, just the taxes and insurance, but not the um, principal or interest. But in this case, she didn't have a mortgage. So they started to pay her an income stream. So she used her asset, her equity in her house, and was able to turn that into income. And then she was able to live her senior years in the house with her horse. And it was just, again, I know I'm the emotional one, but it was just such a wonderful thing that, <laughs> that she was able to stay with her horse in her, you know, in her senior years. And, um, and it made her happy. And when she's happy, I'm happy. <laughs> so, and I'm not saying reverse mortgages are, are for everybody and, and they're not, um, it just depends on the situation. But it is an option for some seniors out there that may have owned their home for a long time and, uh, you know, they don't want to move and and perhaps they can turn that into an income stream and they can stay in their home and they can live there forever if they want to. That's part of the whole reverse mortgage program. Um, But I, I know that um, things, you know, things, you can figure things out and be, creative. And I, and a lot of times that's where a professional comes into play, where the professional can really help you think outside the box and look for different ways of solving an issue and, um, and making things a little bit better.
0: I don't understand a reverse mortgage. So, Is it that the bank keeps your house at the end of it? Is that essentially what happens? So then you don't have something to bequeath other people. Is that essentially the pitfall?
1: So reverse mortgages are very complicated and I'm not an expert, but I'm going to tell you what I know. So if you were, you have to be age 62 or older. That's the first thing. The second thing is you have to have at least half Equity in your home. So, your mortgage can't be higher, more than half of what your home's worth. And what you do is you you have different options. You can take an income stream, you can just maybe stop the payments. Again, you still have to pay taxes and insurance, but you can stop the other payments, uh, principal and interest. And so, the way it works is that the government puts insurance on these mortgages. And so you can, let's say, get a mortgage, reverse mortgage at age 62. And you can live in that house to the day you die. And when you leave the house to your heirs, there's going to be a mortgage balance, obviously, because you had the reverse mortgage on there. If the value of the home is less than what the mortgage is, let's say the mortgage racked up to be uh, $200,000 and the home's only worth a hundred thousand dollars. Well, the insurance pays that off and makes the mortgage company whole again. And then the kids are not on the hook for paying off that additional debt. So they just get to walk away from it. And then vice versa. If the, let's say somebody's, um, gets a reverse mortgage and let's say they pass away and the balance on the reverse mortgage, let's say it's the other way around, is $100,000, but the property is worth $200,000, then the heirs can sell the property and still inherit the $100,000 of equity that was on the property. That's brilliant.
0: Like, that's a really, it's really... It's a great tool.
1: Is. It has such a bad reputation, but for some people, it's a great tool to have a good quality of life. Hmm. Wow. We have to talk to a specialist because the rules change all the time. That I was. just know a little bit.
0: <laughs> so I have another random question. What made you be interested in all this stuff? Like, oh. <laughs> I'm curious. The Why more I'm so you, I'll give you a minute to think about it. While I tell my audience that you were very nice. I don't know if it was a dog barking or whatever, but that he has been sitting in the closet for forty-five minutes while we do this. for <laughs> <Down through laughs> our interview.
1: <laughs> I try to get away from the kids and the dogs, and it still gets through. Um, yes, I'm sitting in my closet right now, but it's a nice closet. It is a
0: nice um, <laughs>
1: closet. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll tell you. I'll tell you exactly how I got into this business. So um, I mentioned earlier that. Uh, my dad was a business owner and that he uh, was in a car accident and he shattered his hip and didn't have any kind of planning, like no key man, no, no, no six months reserves. That's one thing too. I like to tell people is to have at least six to 12 months of living expenses in a nice bank account just for those rainy days. So even times like these (laughs) (laughs) COVID stuff, but um, so anyway, my my parents didn't have that. And so my dad was hurt really bad, had to have surgery, and the business went under. And I was 15 years old at the time, and I remember my parents fighting in the kitchen, and they were screaming at each other because my mom was buying Christmas gifts, but she was bouncing checks. Oh. And I knew I knew that wasn't good. And that Christmas, my mom was just kind of mean. This wasn't herself. The day after Christmas, mom says, take me to the ER. <laughs> so she, from the stress, had she had formed a blockage in her intestine. And she had emergency surgery. Because if that had bursted, it would have killed her. So now I got two parents that are disabled. And so, you know... I'm the oldest of three kids and I'm like, okay, what are we going to do? So our house got foreclosed on and um, they moved us to Florida for a new start. And um, like I said earlier, we lived out of a, a not a very nice motel room and food stamps. And my mom was, again, I'm 15. I'm a teenage girl. My mom sends me into the grocery store with the food stamps by myself. And so (laughs) it's embarrassing enough, you know, when you have to buy uh, feminine products, but then you have to buy them with food stamps. Oh my God, I was mortified. And I told myself from that point on, I was never going to be poor again, never. And I was going to learn about money and I was going to help other people be financially independent too, because I wouldn't want them to go through what I had gone through. And I would do everything I can to help them. And that's how I got into the business. I'm not going to go into my background and all that because it's kind of boring. But, um, but yeah, I just love what I do, and it it's very rewarding, and I'm very passionate about it.
0: Well, thank you for sharing. Yeah, I just became more and more curious. I had a feeling it might have had to do with that, but um, yeah, it's a it's a good reason, and it has a nice turnout. I appreciate that.
1: Yeah, thank you.
0: So, well, I. Th- I think all the questions that I could come up with in regards to money, I think have been exhausted. But as soon as we hang up, I'm sure I'll think of 10 other ones. <laughs>
1: okay. Well, you know where to find me. <laughs> Do you have
0: anything else or we're good after the Mary and the horse
1: story? Yeah, I'm, you know, if you don't have any questions, um, you know, if, if you think of some later, feel f- free to reach out. I'm always here. To help. But um, it was a pleasure. And this was a ton of fun. Thank you so much for inviting me.
0: Oh, I'm glad you were here. And you're okay with me putting your contact information in the show notes. So if you want to hire do. a wealth advisor.
1: <laughs> yes, please do. I, and even if, you know, it's just a simple question, um, feel free. And I, if I'm not able to help you, I will find someone who can. Oh, thank you. I appreciate mm-hmm. that.
0: All right. Well, I'm going to say goodbye then.
1: Okay, Bobby. Thanks again. I sure do hope that
0: you guys appreciated all that info as much as I did. Dina was a great guest and gave us some good direction on some avenues that we could at least explore and dig into a little deeper. Please just keep in mind the following. The information does not constitute investment, legal, or tax advice and should not be used as a substitute for the advice of a professional, legal, or tax advisor. Any tax statements contained are not intended or written to be used and cannot be used for the purpose of avoiding U.S. federal, herein state, or local tax penalties. Taxpayers should always seek advice based on their own particular circumstances from an independent tax advisor. Lakeview and its directors, officers, agents, and employees are not permitted to render tax or legal advice. LCP is a registered investment advisor. More information about the firm can be found in its Form ADV Part 2, which is available upon request by calling 404-841-2224 or by emailing info at jcpwealth.com. Well, that was a mouthful. All right, we got to end this with our positive quote of the week. And it makes sense to do one about money, right? So the author is unknown, which I could pronounce. The real measure of your wealth is how much you'd be worth if you lost all your money.